Starting this episode a little bit different, y'all. I want to give you guys a heads up before we get into the episode. This is episode 14 of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show, and that might not seem like a lot, and it's really not within the grand scheme of things, but that still is around 14 hours of podcasting that I've done. And I've got to say, of all the, the episodes and products that I've put out, I this is probably one of the most interesting that I've put together, just because the conversation went in so many different directions. You know, they, they say that the best interviews end up not being interviews. They end up being conversations. And you definitely see that in what you're about to hear. What was supposed to be around 45 minutes to an hour ended up being two and a half hours because the conversation just went in that many different directions. But I know that's a lot for you guys to consume. So what I'm going to do is break this episode up into two parts. You're going to hear part one right now. And part two is going to come out later on this week. So definitely stay tuned. Again, shout out to Pierre for coming on the show. Hell of a conversation I had with him. Y'all enjoy. I have returned. Last week was a very NFL-heavy episode. This week, we're going to be talking basketball, man. And I got the perfect guest to do it. Pierre Anderson, House of Highlights, Through the Wire. Welcome to the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show, man. How we doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I ain't gonna hold you to it because it's happened all my life, but it's Andreessen. Andreessen, my fault, yeah. man. My fault. Yeah, it looks like it does look like Anderson, so I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't hold anybody too accountable. Um, but I do have to make that correction almost any any time I, I have somebody announce my name. It even happened at graduation, so it's it's okay. Not graduation, but I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Hey, I'll tell you what. That's the one thing my pops always told me. Don't never let anyone mess up your name. And if you do, you correct them. Straight like that. Yeah, you have I, to. I no yeah, you have to. Um, when I was younger, I used to let it slide. But now that I am uh, have a platform and I'm becoming somebody, um, even if you're not becoming somebody, just as, as you get older, you want your name. Because that's what you carry. You carry your name, especially your last name. So Exactly. Um, but I, I know some people take it personal, but I know my, na- my name does look like Anderson. So... It's all good. You said last week you had an NFL heavy. Yeah, it was real NFL heavy, man. I, I was talking, um, man. I had so many podcasts. I get screwed up sometimes. But I, I was talking about, I, I talked about the the whole Washington thing and the the team name. I talked okay. about the Madden ratings. It's awful. I, I hate. I don't know what, what, who your favorite football team is, but I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And to see Carson Wentz wow. rated the same as Dak Prescott, that just can't fly with me, man. That just wow. Fly you an Eagles me. fan? Diehard Eagles fan. Born in New Jersey, but I really became an Eagles fan when um I grew up around Atlanta, Kennesaw, Georgia. And when Mike Vick, he you know, he went to prison, he came out, he joined the Eagles. That's when I became a um a Eagles fan, man. Diehard Eagles I'm fan. Cowboys fan. Okay. All right, y'all, it's been a great show. <laughs> uh, but we, we gonna have to cancel that. <laughs> I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan. I'm not like a I'm a I'm a Cowboys Cowboys fan. Man, so. dude, you you gotta tell me this stuff before you come on the show. That's 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 a problem. <laughs> all, all my stuff is documented. They get on. They get on me every every time um, something come up about my favorite teams. They get on me because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Chicago White Sox. You can see the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, uh, laying across my my couch. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan, and they always want to know how I became a Knicks and Cowboy fan. But it is what it is. Neither one of those teams have won in a very long time. So you know, I'm not a fan because of any bandwagon i'll give you that one i'll give you that one that was actually going to be one of the first show or first questions that i asked you man because you were a knicks fan now you brought up the fact that you were a cowboys fan walk me through how you get to that point because you know i have a story for why i became a philly fan even though i'm really a california kid but walk me through how you got to that point being a knicks fan and for the hell of it talk to me how you ended up a a goddamn cowboys fan man i I can't shit well um you know coming up growing up i thought i was going be a, a NBA player. That was my dream. Um, and I was so in, in tapped with my dream and so determined that I kind of had it all planned out. Like everybody else when they're a kid and we're shooting for the stars as we're supposed to do. Um, I kind of was looking at how I was growing. So I, I was growing good and I was, cause I'm six, four. So obviously um, I, I was taller than a lot of kids, right. but I wasn't too tall. So like I, I and I was so like I said in tap with my dream. I was watching NBA players and just studying like okay, he's this size. So I'm like, if I can get 
to that six six range. I'll be in like Kobe was my favorite player. I'll be like in a Kobe Jordan type range. So I'll probably be a shooting guard. I'm right. telling myself all these things. So I'm like, if I'm gonna be a shooting guard and Kobe's my favorite and Jordan is quote unquote the greatest, I ch- I need to try to like do what they did, but in my own way. So Jordan had the Bulls, obviously which I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I never wanted, I never had the dream of playing for the Bulls because it was always Jordan. It was always him. You don't want to have to live up to the, the expectations exactly. already set. You want to make it. And then way. growing up as a Kobe fan, he had the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I won't, bo- like they both were staples for those teams. Like when you thought of those teams, you thought of both of those guys. So I wanted my own thing. And the next thing was the Knicks. The Knicks was like, uh, at the time, I I didn't look at the Knicks as a kid. Like, they're a big market, but I knew that they were a famous team. Now, as we're older, we know the term is they're a big market team. But in my mind, I'm like, they're famous. Uh, Madison Square Garden is, you know, um, legendary. So I'm like, they never had like this, their best player or guys that get highly talked about from a Knicks standpoint is like Patrick Ewing. He's a big man. They never had like a a guard that we think of. Even now, if you want to consider Melo, you don't put Melo in that, that class of Kobe and Jordan. I mean, he never even uh, won with the Knicks. so you, Right. You so I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm going to take the Knicks there. I'm going to be that legendary shooting guard in a Kobe and Jordan type realm. And then because I knew I wanted to play for them, I just watched them. And they became my favorite team. I always liked their colors. And then that's just how it went. I just became a Knicks fan like that. And then, you know, we actually had got good because around that time, this is like early 2000s, the Knicks were shit. So yeah. um, I was a, I joined and became a Knicks fan when they were garbage. And then we got good, and I really became like a, a super, super fan. We had like, you know, with JR and Melo and Jason yeah. Kidd, we won 60 games or close to 60 games. And then, you know, everybody kind of, not everybody, but we kind of got a, a more bigger fan base. People jumped on the bandwagon, and now we're back to being a laughing stock, but I'm still a Knicks fan. And then the Cowboys, it's just growing up. Um, my dad is a, was a cow is a Cowboy fan, and um, I, again, I was never like attached to the Bears. I like the Bears. I still support the Bears, but I never was too attached. And um, Tony Romo was my guy growing up. Uh, I literally remember when uh, Tony Romo got his first first opportunity. And then uh, became our starter, and I was a fan of him since. So that's how that happened. And I'm a I'm a big Michael Irvin fan. He's yeah. one of the first football players I can remember, like saying like That's my guy." And that '88 on that Dallas man, uh, Dallas Cowboy jersey was always significant to me. So I just I'm a Cowboys fan. That's one of the few people from the the Cowboys franchise history that I, I can mess with. Michael Irvin, I, I like him as a person. But um, yeah, I like I like Michael. You, you mentioned from Chicago, right? Obviously, all of you guys who do Through the Wire, you all were growing up together. You're from Chicago. And uh, I, I'd moved around growing up. I, I lived in New Jersey. I lived in Georgia. I lived in California. And I actually lived in Memphis for a little bit. So I claim a little bit of everything, but I, I don't really, I'm not familiar with Chicago. I never met anybody from Chicago until I got to college. Then I met a few people from, from Chicago. Shout out Justin Powell. But um, it's really, it's like a tangible quality that you can just tell like a person carries that that carries themselves like they from chicago you know what i mean like you know they own that they from chicago and i see it in memphis but it's real heavy with chicago and you know with good reason because you know we talk about cultural centers in the united states we talk about new york we talk about los angeles but then we start talking about black cultural centers and you think about atlanta we think about memphis you damn sure got to think about chicago so i gotta give y'all a props man y'all a hell of a city um and it's rightfully so that y'all claim it the way y'all do I appreciate that, and I'm glad that you gave Memphis love because um, I got ties to Memphis uh, myself. Oh, really? Uh, my cousin, who's in the NBA, Javon Carter, <clears throat> you know, he was drafted yeah. by the Grizzlies. And when we uh, when we had the draft, we had a draft party for him. And when he got drafted, it, it erupted because we have ties to Memphis. Some of our family lives in Memphis, so it was, right he now. was going home. And said, yeah. No shit. That, that's how... Um, that's how I had my ties to Memphis from my uncle Jamel. We we share that uncle Jamel. He lives in Memphis. He's lived in Memphis uh, since I can remember. And so that is uh, Javon's mom, my auntie. That's her brother. So she lived in Memphis as well. So Javon just went like it was like home. Chicago and Memphis is like home. Um, and I, I've taken trips to Memphis and all of that. So I, I know Memphis is, you know, um, a prideful 
especially when we talk about black culture and the barbecue and all that type oh, of yeah. stuff, you know, um, even three, six mafia, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they, they're very cultural. They're not a big glamorous place on the outside looking not in. At all. You, you can find fun there. But like when people talk about vacation spots, it's like LA, New York, Miami, they, they don't live up to that. But like, when if you go, you'll have a good time. You know yeah, what I mean? It's things to do. Even the Martin Luther King, hotel where he got assassinated yep. at that was cool i remember being a kid and visiting that um actually i don't know if she's still there but um there was a, a if you look at the picture there's a famous picture of when mark luther king got shot and you'll see some girls like um reacting to it mm-hmm. and one of the girls is now an older lady and she stayed like she was when we went she was still in front of it like she stayed there she's always in front of there i don't know if she's still there now but I remember being a kid and was able to talk to a person who actually was there and witnessed it, and it was crazy. Uh, Elvis Presley in his house is another thing people like to go go see and go look. And then you know they got the big the pyramid. Yeah, you know Bass like Pro Shop. Memphis? You know it's a Bass Pro Shops now. Oh, is it? Yeah, they turned into a big ass Bass Pro Shop. So you got like that's, you know hunting gear, fishing gear, what have you, and then they got a little restaurant at the top of it. But I think yeah. that's where they used to play like the arena football games. That's where they okay. used to have them just so. Um, yeah, I, I, the la, like, yeah, when I went, it was way different than what it is probably now. I haven't been to Memphis in a long time. I was supposed to go when Javon played for the Grizzlies, but, mm. you know, through the Y and work. But, yeah, uh, I love Memphis. So I do have ties to Memphis. Uh, and it's I'm, I'm glad that you're giving Chicago our respect and our love because we view y'all and Cali the same way. Like, uh, I've been to California before, but I went recently. And before I had ever been, it was, like, something that you just dream of because, yeah. like, even – I think you go to USC, right? Or yeah, went to yeah, USC? Southern California. Like, USC is like, that's like, that's like crazy. Like, yeah. like USC is like, I don't even know how to understand. Like, USC, I've never been to USC. Um, actually, a dude who went to uh, my middle school, he plays for USC. Really? Nick. What's his name? Nick. Nick uh, Rakosevich? Yes, no he, kidding. I I cover the basketball beat, so I, I'm I'm always covering the games and stuff. He's a big ass center, he's a solid player, man. I I I forgot he's from Chicago. He went to your yeah. middle school, mm-hmm. Burridge yeah. Middle School. Man, right no kidding. He, yeah, yeah. We, we get we got the same barber. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah he cool dude, real fun dude, goofy <laughs> goofy dude. He, he dance a lot, but um, he 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 good player. Yeah, I wonder he's what he's little, up he's to. He's now. younger than me, so I don't know if he um. I don't know. If, I don't know. He if he did go at the same time as me, he was super younger. But he went. We went to the same one. So like, yeah, we know. We know Nick, um, Derek, and uh, Derek. I think Derek knows him a bit more, like on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm a little bit older than even Derek, so I'm way older than Nick. But yeah, yeah he's from over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, USC. Like, and I don't know how old you are, but like, um, love and basketball. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm old enough to know about loving basketball. <laughs> when they had Q doing his thing with the USC uniform right. and like the cut and the 22 with the shirt and the wristband, like USC was crazy. And then like OJ Mayo went there. I remember being in seventh grade and like OJ Mayo was the shit. And it was like he went to USC and it was just like whew, USC was just like and it's still to this day me. I view it that way. USC Trojans, Matt Liner, Mike Williams, Reggie yep. Bush. Hey, you Lenny you you White. got it all, man. You know it. <laughs> USC was like USC. It's crazy nowadays to see other colleges be like iconic, but USC is all USC, Miami University as yep. far as football to you. It's always gonna be like number one to me, even though they not like they don't dominate like they used to. It's still like. To me, they just legends. So USC, I, 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 that's part of the reason I even fucked with you. Hey, appreciate that, man. USC, I was like, he gotta be, he gotta know something of what he's doing. Hey, man, I bet. Hey, that that tag, that tag gonna carry you a long way. That USC tag, and I, I'll tell For you real? what, keep on the lookout this year because they ain't been as dominant in years past. But we got this kid, Keaton Slovis. Dude can sling it. He can sling it. So keep, okay, good. I'm gonna be watching. Keep out this year, man. One thing USC gonna always do. They always gonna be able to get the attention when they're worthy of it. No yeah, doubt. No, no that. doubt. They, that and they can get quarterbacks. We always got a couple quarterbacks. They always gonna get a quarterback. Yeah. But I want to talk about basketball specifically and how you talked a little bit about how you dreamed up to become a player and that's how you really got into the game. But how'd you get into it from an analyst perspective? Uh well, that's how I got. That's really how I got into it because. Um, when you have a dream of something like going to the NBA, mm-hmm. 
even without knowing it, you analyzing it if you want it bad enough. So um, when basketball was introduced to me, I really love basketball. Like uh, I'm 25, I'll say, and this is me being like lenient. For the past 17 years, I can't remember a day where I didn't do anything basketball related, whether mm. that's playing it, watching it, reading it, studying it, fucking playing 2K, watching a, a YouTube video. I got in my mom's storage old DVD and tapes of like footage of like Kevin Durant freshman year highlights. I got OJ Mayo with USC, Allen mm. Iverson's first game with the Nuggets, like on on CD. We don't even use those right. anymore, but that's how important it was for me and i got that from my dad my dad introduced it to me and when i uh when i gained that obsession i just i just went and that's what i tell people now especially kids who watch through the wire is like you gotta want it and it's no excuse now in today's generation where you're not you don't know um anything about anything it don't even have to be basketball access to everything and it's a passion all the information is there now because when I was growing up and I don't, I'm only 25, but it just shows you how fast time and things change. I didn't have the resources like right. me and you on zoom on a MacBook. I didn't have a MacBook cell phones. Kids didn't have when I was uh, eight and nine doing my research, I used the tools that I had, which at the time was 2k. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I had one incident with my, I came, I went to my dad's house, him and my brother were like quizzing me on things. The same way you see us doing through the wire, like yeah. just like, you know what team he went to or what cut? And like they were asking me bull bull players, like do you know that player or do you know this? And I didn't know any of them, and I was embarrassed. So I had went home, I put in two K, and I studied every single team, and I really had notebooks and wrote them down, wrote their height, wrote their college, and I studied it, studied it, studied it, and then before you knew it, uh, it became something that I did all the time. I wanted to know every player, I wanted to know every. Uh, what do they call it? Tendency. I wanted to know their college. I wanted to know their shoe brand. I wanted to know what teams they played for before that. And then it just went on to other things. Once I found all of that, and then once I realized certain shit didn't matter, like their shoe brand, yeah. I wanted to study the player. Why is he like that? Why? Where, where did? How did his game develop? And then it just trickled down. And so when I got older, I found what was important, and I just absorbed that. And now it's just like it trickled down. So. Guys who are stars now, I don't know. Fucking Kevin Durant. I, I I know Kevin Durant from when he, before he was at Texas, right? Because I'm that into the game. So you, t- it, not a player in the NBA right now who was a, who did something crazy in college or in high school that I didn't know about because I'm that deep into it because it, it means that much to me. So Amen. that's how it should be. If you are trying to be a rapper. It's no reason why you don't know Nas in his catalog or, you know, like there's certain things you just should know as a rapper that's going to help you be the best that you can be. I feel and that's that, how all those years I thought I was just loving the game, but I was analyzing it. So when it's time to make the transition, it was seem- seamless because I had already been doing it. Hey, it's one of the biggest lessons that I took away from Kobe Bryant. I think a lot of people took away from Kobe Bryant. If you want to be dedicated to something, if you want to be great at something, you have to damn near be obsessive about it. And I, I think, oh. you know, that's why you got to get into something that you love because you can't be obsessive about something that you don't care about. So it's a beautiful thing to see, especially somebody that had aspirations to play at an NBA level. Obviously, everybody can't do that. I mean, I'm a dude who wanted to go play in the NFL. I couldn't even get to the college ball level. But, you know, if you're obsessive about it and you love it, there will be something. There's some role, some niche you can carve out within the sport that you'll have for it as long as you have that passion for it, man. And that passion, that's that's, that's part of what I love about Through the Wire because all four of y'all, y'all got that passion, man. Yeah, that's what I try to tell people. Like, certain things be a blessing in disguise. I'm I'm a religious man. I'm a God-fearing man, man. I look at it as a blessing. Like, I'm glad I didn't go to the NBA. Mm -hmm. This is the life that I wanted. And to know that this is what what was meant for me, it it makes me that much, like, reassured that what I'm doing is, is, like, my purpose. Because it wasn't an accident. There was no accident that I was studying the way I was studying when I was eight, nine years old. It was because this was always meant for me. I wasn't meant to be on the court. Uh, going at it with LeBron, I was meant to be doing this, and like it is, just no mistakes. God doesn't make any mistakes. There's no mistakes in life. Like everything happens exactly how it's supposed to. You just have to be able to realize that and capture it, and not get too obsessed over some shit that just it's not for you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not for you. I, I, I'll take what's meant for me over being um 
being something else that I think is meant for me. But like this is this is it, man. But yeah, you I agree. You have to be obsessed with it because it just I, I don't know. It's no other way, right? Yeah. Like it, you can be the best if you half ass or something. Gotta go full ass, man. And I want to talk about Through the Wire, and I've known about that podcast since really y'all started it, man, because um, I had been on well, Kenny's yeah. channel. I've been on Kenny's channel for the longest, watching those rebuilds. That's really how I got into basketball is through rebuilds and stuff like that, and okay. it's really the first podcast I'd ever really consistently listened to, because I didn't know about podcasts when I was, what, 14, 15 years old? I didn't know what that was, so that was the first time I was exposed to that industry, and it's really special, man, because obviously y'all grew up together. Y'all grew up knowing each other. Y'all grew up as close friends. And, you know, to have a good podcast, there has to be a level of intellect and there has to be a level of chemistry. You can have intellect, but if you don't have chemistry with the people that you're talking with, it's not going to be a good podcast and vice versa. If you have the chemistry, but you don't know what the hell you're talking about, not a good podcast. So, you know, talk to me a little bit how, how you guys came up with the idea, how you started executing it. And then how you ended up getting to the level to where you had a uh, house of highlights knocking at your door, trying to get you, get, trying to get you associated with them. So, um, the way everything happened is first and foremost, me and Kenny are cousins. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot that. So me and him, obviously like we're cousin cousins. Like I know some people are like second, third cousins. Yeah. Some people, parents are best friends and they just call each other cousins. Literally my dad and his mom are siblings. Mm-hmm. So, me and Catrell really grew up around each other because our parents are siblings. So we were really cousins. Right. Um, but there was a time where I would see Catrell not as much because he lived over here and I lived over here. Right. Um, and that's when we were younger. But at a certain age, he moved with his dad, which is right in my area. His dad lives like uh, up the street or used to live when they first... It was like four or five minutes up the street from me. So mm-hmm. literally now he moves and we're literally going to the same high school now. So now it went from seeing Contrero whenever I went to my dad's house, which was every other weekend or, you know, random as times. So now I'm seeing him every day and he's older. Right. You know what I mean? And so um, I saw Contrero in the hallways like, oh, damn, what up, blah, blah, blah. And so one of the times I saw him, he was with Mike from the podcast. Yeah. And me and Mike wasn't close or anything, but me and Mike uh, grew up in the same complex and he went to Burr Ridge Middle School as well, the middle school before high school. So we, I knew Mike, but me and him weren't like how we are now. So I was like, oh, you know, like this is my cousin. And he's like, oh no, this is my man, Mike. So I'm like, oh damn, you friends with Mike? I know Mike. Yeah, I, then, I know how they go. <laughs> and then before that, I, then after that, I seen him with Derek. And I'm like, oh, you know Derek too? I know Derek. And then... um. I would just see them around, but that that was their friend group. But again, I was older, so I wasn't really hanging around them too much then, but I would see them. And then I would really mostly see them and be around them when we would play basketball. We mm-hmm. all went to the same YMCA, um, and then they played at the lower levels in high school. And, uh, you know, when you're in high school, the teams all travel together. So we play against Proviso or whatever school. Uh, even though they're freshmen or sophomores and we're on varsity, they come too. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going together and everything. Um, and then after that, they had, so they had, they always had that. That was like, they have their friend group when their three was in there. And then I was always around cause I'm Contreras cousin. Right. And I do like play basketball and I'll see them. So then after that happened, um, as you know, Contreras started YouTube mm-hmm. and you know, I, I supported his YouTube thing and it was just starting. It wasn't as big. And then he started consistently doing his thing and was getting bigger. And I had moved, me and my brother had moved. Uh, like on the other side of like sh- like Chicago shit you wouldn't yeah, understand yeah, but I moved I, I know, I know. <laughs> now we're far again from each other he's yeah. still in this area but now I'm over here and while I'm over here I'm just doing my thing just you know whatever Contreras is, is starting his thing he's like his YouTube is like gaining some ground maybe he's 20 30,000 subscribers which is a lot to yeah. us because it was like oh shit that's what's up so me and my brother would sit in our theater. We had a theater, and we would put his YouTube videos on the screen. Like, damn, look at little cousin. He's right. And he would say, like, basketball shit. And we'd be like, oh, hell no, blah, blah, blah. So he had started getting fans. And obviously, as my cousin, I follow him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he'll make, like, he'll say something on, uh, on Twitter about an opinion of basketball. And I would say something like, hell no, blah, blah, blah. And we go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times that happened, 
I put in a group chat, and we should start a podcast. The reason I had that idea or was even interested and knew what the podcast was was because I'm a Joe Budden fan. So okay. Joe Budden had just started a podcast, uh, which is now the Joe Budden podcast. When he first started it, it was called I'll Name This Podcast Later. <laughs> it was before they had Maul. Maul is on there now, but at first they had a girl. Um, and then also Adam22, I don't know if you know who that is from No Jumper, he had a vlog and a podcast. And he still does. It's the No Jumper podcast. I actually have a tweet that's almost a year, like identical, a year before we announced through the wire. I have a tweet that says I'm about to jump in the vlog slash podcast game. And then a year later to that date, it's us all announced it through the wire. So I, I saw I was watching those podcasts. and I'm like, man, I want to do one. I didn't know who to do it with. And then I started having like little discussions with Kenny, like on Twitter. I remember one of the ones was like Rondo. The Bulls had signed Rondo and mm. Kenny reacted to it on Twitter. Like, I don't know if I like this. And I'm like, wow, he just led the league in assists. You're tripping. And then it went to like the text, like, man, that, that would be a good debate for a podcast. And we flirted with the idea. And we would do that a couple times. And like, then we'd have one in the, the group chat where it's me, Mike, and maybe a random guy from their friend group discussing. And I would be like, man, that, that would have been another good podcast thing. Right. We would talk about it, but there was never no action. So one specific time, I don't know what we was arguing about, but it ended and we threw that out there again. Like, man, that would have been a good podcast thing. So Kenny was like, man, what's up? What y'all trying to do? We like, shit, let's do it. Him and him and Mike had plans on doing some type of music shit. So Kenny had this equipment that they were using for music. And he was like, I'll trade it in and get podcast equipment. And we man. was like, shit. I'm like, see how he was like, I'll see how much it costs. I said, let me know. And I'll put in whatever I need to put in, right? Because I'm in my mind, that's how things go. We all, yeah. Kenny took the initiative, and I'll always give him this credit. He took the initiative and just went and bought the shit anyway, which I credit him for because I think that's important. Because sitting around, because if we had waited for everybody to come up with the money, like, because I was ready to put the money in, but I didn't know Mike or Derek's situation. Maybe we would have had to wait an extra three weeks. Yeah. Maybe they we would have waited and something else would have came up when they were like, they they choose to do something else with their money. You know, it just could have prolonged the situation. But when he went and got it and took action and took the initiative, it forced everybody to commit to it. Right. Instead of having options and choices. So <laughs> he did that. And um, uh, I hit my homie up. So the first episode ever of Through the Wire, it's a video and you can see us in a room. My homie plugged us with that room, and um, Derek has a different mic because at first we thought it was me, KB, and uh, Mike because Derek was like, I'll do it, but we didn't take him serious. So mm -hmm. Contreo ordered three mics at first, and then we had to get Derek's mic later because he he was like, I was serious, <laughs> and all of that. So, you know, D-Mail. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a different mic for the first, I don't know, for the first year and a half of Through the Wire, his mic is different than ours. And then uh, after we found out like that was going to be the four, we made our own little group chat. And I remember the first conversations we had was, what are we going to title it? And I was such a Joe Budden fan that I, I took the idea of, he used to have a show with academics called Everyday Struggle, which is named after a Notorious B.I.G. song. Yeah. So I told them, let's name our podcast after, after a, a legendary or classic rap album or song. And so we, we threw some names out there, like the Illmatic podcast. He was like, nah. The Reasonable Doubt podcast, nah. Yeah. Then somebody, I, I think like it's Kenny Reasonable Doubt. or Mike. Uh, the Reasonable Doubt, yeah. yeah. Uh, but one of them said through the wire. And we all was like, boom, that's it. And then the rest is history. And then with, with House of Highlights, uh, um, I believe Kenny emailed them. And... Uh, it just that was just what it was. He emailed them. They they so liked he, us. He took we the initiative. He reached out. He said, "We got something right here for y'all." Yeah. Uh, I, when we first was doing it, we were like, that was like stuff that we would joke about. Like, man, what if one day we were like House of Highlights? Yeah. And uh, it actually it actually happened. But I think we were able to even put ourselves in a position for them to even engage with us. Was be we were con we were constant. We were consistent. Um, and that was something I was big on like communicating with, with the squad, like, let's make sure we do this. We was doing it once a week. Then when we made it two times a week, I was trying to like really make sure there was never a reason why we didn't drop. Mm -hmm. Like 
basketball shows and things would stop during the off season. Not us. Like we're giving you content when everybody else is in the off season or they're taking their break. That was the way that we get, we gained ground on people who had a big separation for us. Right. And uh, we also got a shout out from Jalen Rose because when we first were putting our podcast on Apple through the wire jumped above Jalen and Jacoby. Really? And on their podcast, they were looking at the rankings mm-hmm. and they said like, they were like, Oh, it's something wrong with the algorithm. Like <laughs> who these um, for, who, who these cats passing us up. Right. Yeah, they, they said through the yeah. wire, it was like, yeah, through the wire. It's like a new pocket. They're there in front of us, but it's, it has to be something with the algorithm, which they're right. Like if something is wrong, I don't know if they fixed it, but something is wrong with the algorithm because we definitely weren't more popular than Jalen Jacoby on ESPN. But it helped us because he was like, well, whatever. Shout out to Through the Wire. Y'all boys killing it, I guess. And like, that was real. And I remember Kenny heard it, he clipped it, reacted to it on Twitter. And um, Jalen Rose was like, uh, much love. So So he he did that on ESPN? Like he did that on the show? He did it on his show. They have a live show. That's like visual, and then they also have a podcast. Right. I believe this is just a podcast. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm not mistaken, it's just the audio. I never saw it. I only heard it. So I'm, I'm guessing it was just the audio podcast. But for our fans um, at that early stage, for them to see, it made them more invested because they like, oh, shit, like, yeah. this is something that's real. It, it started off at first like, oh, this is Kenny, and these are his little friends, and this is cool, but like, a lot of steps made people like really start to take us serious as not just like, oh, this is something new Kenny is doing, but it's like this is through the wire podcast. Because for, for, for the first beginning moments, it was like, oh, this, this is Kenny with his friends. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, oh, shit, this is through the wire. And then my followers start going up and people became fans and stands of me. And, and, and you know, same with Mike and D. Mills, their followers start going up. So that's when it became real. And then the House of Highlights thing, I ain't, you know, once they show that they had interest right. it was it was the, it was a perfect thing and we we flew out to meet with them had conversations and they were they were legit and it was uh welcoming with open arms like a real family and i ain't, i've never uh looked back since developing that ethos man that's that's what it's all about and you know this is kind of a two-pronged thing for me because for for part of it i'm just you know trying to get your story because i I think what you guys have been able to accomplish is just great man to see four black dudes self-made you know you talk about how kenny just went out and bought the shit for himself getting a podcast off the ground is is a lot harder than people will give it credit for and that's really the hardest part is getting it from the ground up and then once you start recording episodes you just get into a rhythm and it gets a lot easier from there but once you like want to dive into it coming up with a name coming up with a theme getting your your people together all that stuff is hard man people a lot harder than people will give it credit for it is i'm also giving you know i'm also scouting man because i'm trying to figure out how to blow up my damn self right so you know i'm also trying to figure out how y'all did y'all thing and you know trying to take a little piece from that but um i want to talk about house of highlights man because you just had your boy um omar right he 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 went to espn and now he's Mm -hmm. uh he's doing stuff for them which is he's putting out pretty good content for him but obviously he was like the head of what was going over there for house of highlights so since his departure, I've seen, you know, kind of other people have to step up in his in his place. Talk to me a little bit about how through the wires having to step up since he's gone and you specifically. How, how what how's your role expanded within the organization with the departure of uh, Raha? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, shout out to Omar. Um, oh, yeah, man. He is he is the uh, he's the creator. Like Talk about self-made. That's self-made yeah, right he, there. He uh, he created it. So that always loved Omar. And again, when I speak about open arms, that's what I mean. Like when we first went out there, we uh, met them and did all those things. And, um, you know, it was new for us. It was new for us. The first time we got flown out by a company, it was the first time they, you know, somebody was putting us in hotels and it wasn't like a little, they, they put us in five star shit. Mm. They had, you know, uh, black SUV trucks coming to pick us up. Like mm. the way that fucking uh, Drake would have fucking ride around is how we was. Like they really, and still to this day, that's how they treat us. So um, it was new. It was a whirlwind. And, you know, going into an office with people that you don't know, you don't know how to, you know, what to expect. We were new and everything. And I just feel like they opened us, they welcomed us with open arms. But to see the guy who created also do the same thing was even more refresher. So I always got love for Omar. 
Uh, I'll never forget the first time I went to the office. He was walking around the office saying, through the wire, <laughs> how I start the show. And I was just like, that That was like the ultimate like compliment to me because it's, he created this shit. He don't have yeah. to say my shit. He don't have to do that. But, you know, um, it was just like, damn, that's kind of dope. Because, you know, it's either it's either two ways. I'm going to just be honest. When people are that high on, on a totem pole of a company, they're, they, they're either super loving and open arms or they're too cool for school. Yeah. It's, it's like no in between. So to see them be that way, it was cool. So, but anyway, Omar obviously went to ESPN and that automatically made the things change because he did a lot. So when you remove it from a talent perspective, as far as producing shit through the wires now, like the kind of the only thing. So we knew we were going to be amplified. We had, we you know, we had conversations and transitions into getting that from live shows or the Twitter show that House of Highlights have. Mm-hmm. It was more focused and based around us. So we knew we had to come with it, but that was nothing for us because we had always been waiting in the, in the wing while Omar was doing his thing, waiting right. for our time. Whether Omar was going to be there or not, we knew at some point we were going to be put on a platform uh, to deliver. So we had already been prepared for that because what we do, this podcast and shit that we do, we've mastered it because yeah. we've done it so much. That is nothing. But <clears throat> as far as outside of that, whether Omar had left or not, what, what none of us was prepared for was COVID. Yes. COVID is the real thing that made Through the Wire be put in a position to where we're, we're, we're stepping up more than any, nobody had that plan because what COVID does is it wipes away everything that we can do as a company besides web shit. Yeah. So, you know, House of Highlights, we have events. We go, like, before when I signed my contract, they mapped out everything that I was going to have to do this year. And a lot of it was going to the NFL draft, going to uh, NBA Summer League in Vegas, going to the McDonald's All-American game because we had all of these events in all of these different places. I remember looking at my contract and the first seven months had me traveling. I was going to Georgia, Atlanta, Vegas, Vegas again, mm. Chicago. I wouldn't travel because I'm from Chicago, but All-Star mm. Game was in Chicago, New York a bunch of times. But all that was canceled because of COVID. And all of those events can't happen now. But through the wire, you know, we still kind of put everything on our back and kind of carried carried us through it because we, we still put out our content. But even like House of Highlights, like the YouTube, we couldn't put out highlights really because there was no, no highlights games. to be produced, right? Yeah, right. So they put shout out to my boy, um, shout out to my boy Michael. He still was able, you know, to to do his thing, but he had to work with like old classic shit. Like he probably put together like, uh, you know, and I'll call him GD because mm-hmm. I know pe- most people might not know him as as uh, Michael, but yeah, GD. He was making it happen, but it was still, I know it was still limited for what he could you do. call him GD? But that's what we really stepped up from. Say that again? You, you call him GD? Yeah, that's his name, GD Highlights. Okay, got because Like, the basketball community will know him as GD Highlights. He's now with House of Highlights, so right. he doesn't have the GD Highlights because they're just on House of Highlights. But I like, um, But then outside of that, outside of the podcast, you see Kenny doing the real. Um, I, ha- I have projects on the side that I'm working with. Um and I'm that I'm doing that y'all will see like very very soon so mm. shit like that like just being expandable but like I said we've always been working and ready for those moments um and that's really all it is now is that like it's more juggling different things it's not just the podcast so Kenny has the podcast he has the real uh, one of the um one of the live shows we did like for the Twitter show y'all might have saw me on stage with Nick Young and um yeah. and uh. What's his name? My mind going blank. He's a rapper. I forget. But like, yeah, shit like that. Where it's like, it's not just the podcast you have to focus on anymore. But for me, it's an easy transition because I'm just, it's naturally just who I am. So I'm, I'm ready for whatever. Um, and House of Highlights is very um, creative with content. So shit is always rolling. It's always working. I'm constantly on phone calls and Zoom meetings about this and trying that and trying this and trying that. Um, but I'm excited because we, I finally was able to find some shit for me. Uh, like I said, it's coming very soon. I'm a steak. Yeah, I, I feel you, man. You ain't, you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta show all your cars, man. I feel you. <laughs> that, that's a, that's plenty for me, man. I'm just excited to see what y'all got going on. Cause like you said, 
you know, the roles really expanded and I was rating on it because I'm sitting here. I, I've been with y'all from the jump watching y'all podcast. So to see y'all get to House of Highlights, that was a victory in itself. And then I'm seeing, you know, Omar leave. And obviously, since he, he's the guy who started it all, you know, you, it sucks to see him leave. But I'm thinking, OK, what that mean for Kenny? What that mean for um, what that mean for you, Mike? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on all, all y'all to come up, man. So it, it's, it's a great thing to see that uh, y'all grow. We appreciate it. It's that. a great thing to see y'all grow for sure. Um, we'll move on from uh from through the wire. We we've exhausted that. I want to talk about the Knicks. Unfortunately for you, because I feel like that might be a rough topic. At, at you know these times, it's a little bit hard talking about the I Knicks. Love <laughs> I love it. You still it, love talking about the not, Knicks? It's not. It's not a rough time for me at all because I like I said I've been studying the game of basketball uh in depthly since I was like six to seven. Yeah. So I know the way that this shit goes. It, it, some droughts are longer than others, but sucking is good because at the end of that rain, it's like rain. At the end of the rainbow, it's a pot of gold. Like the Warriors. When I was a kid and I grew up, the Warriors sucked. They were terrible. They yeah. were always ass. They like literally were hot garbage. And to now see them have a dynasty. When I was nine years old, you couldn't tell me that the Warriors were going to have a dynasty because they were that bad. But it's highs and lows. Like, it, that's just what it is. There's never just a time where a team is just always winning. But, like, I don't know. Um, for big market teams, we'll say. Yeah. For big market teams, we'll say. It's a big so, like, difference, right? I'm, 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 before every team is a dynasty, they've sucked. That's just what I tell people. Yeah. They've sucked. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't stay on top forever. There's always going to be highs and lows. But the reason that you get to those highs, right, you, you have some people in the, within the organization um, that, that, that drive the force, right? You know what I mean? They, they, they push for that. And my first question to you, what are your thoughts on Dolan, man? Cause I feel like that's where it starts. And, and until he's, you know, either he changes his methods or he gets the hell up out of there. I don't see change for the Knicks coming. Yeah. I feel, I used to feel like that, but until we started changing things under him, mm-hmm. um, that's where I see him changing as far as that. Him as a person who he is. He's how old is James though? He gotta be sixty or in the late fifties, early sixties, mm-hmm. somewhere in that age. So who he is is who he is. He's always gonna be this person that people view as a clown and just yeah. does dumb shit, whether it's kicking a fan out, things like that. That's who he is. But as far as how the Knicks are ran, us changing and hiring Leon Rose, you know what I mean, and uh World Wide West and things like that. Those people change the look of the Knicks because those people are respected figures, not only in basketball, but in the culture. Yeah. So it gives us something that we stand on. Like, I don't know how much people are, are you know, uh, in tune with who those people are, but there was a reaction around the NBA and around culture, like the hip hop culture, black culture. That was a great response to the Knicks picking those dudes up because that's a certain prestige that they their names carry. And that's why already when they come in, there's ties to so much shit going on with the Knicks because those dudes have so many good relationships. Like Devin Booker is tied with the Knicks now. Why? Because he has a relationship with Leon Rose. You know what I mean? Like, it. that's how you change. Like, Dolan can keep it. I, he can stay there. Cool, whatever. But as long as we have those guys in there calling the shots and not fucking, um, I forget his name already because we fired his ass. Uh, but fuck what is his name. My mind's going blank right now. You're talking about the coach or uh, a GM? No, the last guy we had, we had Scott Perry and then... um, I know who you're talking about, too. I'm forgetting his name. Fuck. What was his name? I'm going to Google it. Steve Mills. Yes. Steve Mills. That's the one. Right. So Steve Mills has been, you know, Steve Mills has been around for a lot of the dumbass shit that was going on. So we get him out of there. We got Leon Rose. We still got Scott Perry, also another dude who's highly respected. Uh, great relationship with KD. That's why a lot of people thought KD was coming. It was because of Scott Perry. We got World Wide West. We just hired Tom Thibodeau. Uh, there was reports that we were going to hire a coach, and one of the other candidates was going to be their assistant. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping we get Thibodeau and can maybe get a Kenny Atkinson to be his assistant or some really? shit like that. And then as far as the talent, when you suck this bad as we have, the draft picks accumulate. That's true. So, you know, if we can get this number one pick, we'll have LaMelo, RJ, Hey, you know man. I mean? <laughs> Y'all was I mean? talking like that last year, though. We was. Because <laughs> you're supposed to. Whenever yeah. you suck, you're supposed to, like, shoot for the star. Even when you're a kid. You, hey, it's a kid out there that probably has no chance of getting to the NBA. But you dream because you can. You should. And if you 
you reach for the stars, land on a cloud. Like, you'll be cool. That's what you're supposed to Like, I don't get that theory on Twitter. And it's just normally a Twitter thing. Like, they right. try to clown the Knicks for having high hopes. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Why the hell would I fucking yeah. wish it, for the ninth I think the, world the joke is, right, because it's, it's something that's supposed to be left up to chance. And, you know, when, when you swing and miss as many times as the Knicks had, it's just it, at a certain point, it's just like it's sad for me to watch. But I'm sure it's funny for other people to watch. So like, damn, y'all thought y'all was getting KD. You thought you was getting Kyrie. You thought you was getting Zion. Isn't what, are we the only people that thought those things? No. I see all the time. I, I Nobody else see the Raptors putting Giannis in. in, in a, they don't see Giannis uh, being put in a Raptors jersey. Yeah, but like, like the Raptors won their championship, saw, though. I saw Kevin Durant. But they, that don't mean that they go get Giannis, though. No, I don't. I mean, we see Giannis in a Warriors jersey. We see Giannis. I mean, exactly. hell, the, Lake, the Lakers. You know, the Lakers on that wave too. We we don't. We think we gonna get everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I saw. When Kyrie but we did get a, LeBron. When, so when, when Kyrie was a free agent, I saw Kyrie in a million uniforms. Anytime any of those high profile guys are free agents, there and put it in a million uniforms. The Knicks are just like every other team. We just have a bigger fan base. Than a lot of teams, so it makes more noise. Nobody be give, nobody really gives a shit when Milwaukee fans put people in jerseys and they don't get them. Cause you know what it is, pe- people, especially on Twitter, people don't like to punch down at people. You know, no one likes to punch down at, at people who are beneath them. People like to punch up. You know, they like to get at the people who are in power. So the 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 powerhouse franchises in the NBA. You talk about the Lakers. As of late, the Warriors, the Celtics, and the Knicks. And the Knicks are the the one of the few teams that are the powerhouse franchises, and they've been down. So it's easy to punch up at the, the, the Knicks because you guys are in a position where people feel like you should be more successful than you are. I feel like that's for a Laker thing. Oh, yeah. No, like people you, love – I mean, no, people love coming at the Lakers. That's for I, – I know. You ain't punching up at the Knicks right now. I feel like you kick you kicking the Knicks while they down. But that's what people opinion. love to do. Because the Knicks are in people's minds, they're supposed to be up, right? The Knicks, you, you got this, you got this, uh, you in one of the biggest markets, you in New York, you used to have this history, you got Spike Lee. And the Knicks, when I really think about it, they haven't had that great of a, of a basketball history to them. Um, it's nowhere near like the Lakers or, or the um, or the Celtics, but because it's New York and because it's Madison Square Garden, people still view it as punching up at, at the Knicks. But it's just. Go ahead. It's Twitter. When Twitter get a narrative, when Twitter get a thing that's supposed to be a joke, they just run with it. That's it's true. just like fucking the narrative that Carmelo Anthony is not a winning player. That's not real. Mm, that's not interesting. Because I, I feel like at this stage of career, I, I have my questions, man. It's I have my real. questions. It depends on what you comp- what you consider as winning. Mm. I know what he can provide to a team in, in terms of his not isolation. Not a championship. Is, does not make you a winner. You cannot tell me that Carl Malone and John Stockton are win, aren't oh, winners. So you're talking about over the course of his entire career. Over their careers. Oh no, yeah, Carmelo is a winning player over the course of his career. I'm saying at this particular juncture, I don't know. But let, I, I don't care at this, but he's still yeah. what he's three, last leg. I don't. I'm not really. Yeah. It's whatever. But let Twitter tell that he's not a winning player. Mm. Yeah, Twitter do they, they they be on some shit sometimes, man. I want to talk. Why I don't really. Go ahead. That's why I'm really here. But no, we're good. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Thibodeau, man, because you brought up that y'all just hired him. And I, you, you talked about how you could get one of these candidates and plug them in at assistant coach, and you brought up Kenny Atkinson. That's who I felt the Knicks should go after. But you guys ended up going with Thibodeau on a five-year deal. What are your knee-jerk reactions on, on Thibodeau as the new head coach? Um, n- None, really. Um, I'm not one of those people. Uh because I feel like we've had we've had some solid coaches over the past years, but like you just mentioned, up top, it depends on how they handle it. I don't think David Fisdale was a bad coach at all. He wasn't. Um, let me let me tell you, as a Memphis fan, he was a pretty damn good coach. Exactly. So, and he has the jury to, to also say as an assistant coach with the Heat. Yeah. But um, but because of the shit around it, it looks like he's not a good coach. So it, to me, it doesn't matter who the coach is. It, it depends on what position we're putting them in. Just like Jeff Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek isn't Phil Jackson, but Jeff Hornacek wasn't a bad coach either. He had Phoenix. Phoenix won like 40-something games and missed the playoffs just because they were in the West. Mm-hmm. But when you put him in a Knicks and Phil Jackson is making him run the trying offense, yeah, he's not going to be a good coach. That's not his shit to run. Yeah. So that that's why the Knicks have always had, quote-unquote, a history of bad coaches. That's because we're not letting them coach. A coach should do what the fuck he wants to do. 
not, oh, you've never run a triangle? Well, I want you to do it even though I'm not the coach. I just felt like that is, that's always been a disaster for the Knicks. We got to let guys be them. And that's why I kind of like Tom Thibodeau because he's going to do what he does because he's just that type of guy. You're not going to make him do some shit he doesn't want to do. He doesn't have a history of that. He went to the Bulls and played all his players and ran them into the ground because that's what he wanted to do. He went to Minnesota and got Jimmy Butler yeah. because that's what the hell he wanted. He kind of has his way of doing things, and I like that and respect that. I like Kenny Atkinson, too, because he does a good job with young talent. Yeah. So I, I kind of prefer that for the Knicks with this young thing. But if we can get him as an assistant and copy y'all, which I love what the Lakers did, we can't have five head coaches, but we'll fucking hire one, and the other three will make assistants. I yeah. think that is genius, you know, to have – Jason Kidd interviewed for the head coaching job with the Knicks, but also with the Lakers. Yep. But they said, shit, we'll just make you an assistant. Uh, who else y'all got? Y'all got Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins, defensive specialist. Yeah. yeah, we'll make you we'll make you an assistant. Like I just think that that's genius. Like, let's get all of these head coaches and let's just like make them work together. Yeah. And right. I I hope the Knicks do that. Uh but my number one guy was Mark Jackson. For really? Yeah, I love Mark Jackson. Talk to me about that. Why 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 Mark Jackson? Uh what he did with the Warriors, I feel like is is just like legendary. Uh, I think it's unfortunate, it's bullshit, um, and he needs another job, another chance. And I think the best chance and job would be the Knicks. He played for the Knicks. Uh, he's well respected. They need a figure. The Knicks, the, the, the Knicks need a figure. They don't need just like a, a coach. And I think that's why it was important for them to get Tom Thibodeau because he's like a figure. He's like a guy that's stern. Is his way or kind of, I don't want to say no way, but he, he just has his ways and they need that type. They don't need some flimsy ass first time head coach who's going to get ate up by the media. They need people who know what they're doing. And uh, watching Mark Jackson, Jackson develop the Warriors um, into what they have become now is is is, is immaculate. Like I just, I just think it's the dopest shit in the world. And I just think it's unfortunate that they fired him and Steve Kerr gets all the, the love for that because Steph Curry was not the point guard he is now before he met Mark Jackson. Yeah. And there's no there's no coincidence that Mark Jackson is a legendary point guard. And after being with Steph Curry, Steph Curry became a legendary point guard. Yeah, it's no it's no coincidence that he was calling them the best shooting backcourt ever before anybody else because Mark Jackson was developing it and seeing it. You know what I mean? It was no, it's no coincidence that they drafted so well when he was there. It's no coincidence, but they'll act like it was all Steve Kerr, what which I, w- I highly disagree with, but you know. I will say this, and where I, I think both dudes deserve credit for what they provided, because what Mark Jackson was able to do was groom those guys into the players that they became, but I'm not sure he knew how to use them quite like Steve Kerr did. And that's where I think Steve Kerr came in and really took the the Warriors from really good to great because he knew how to use Stephen Curry in a way to where they, they made, you know, the space and pace. They used Curry off the ball. They let Draymond run the pick and roll, things of that nature. I'm not sure if Mark Jackson knew how to use those guys to the maximum ability that they could have been used, but he did develop all those players into the dudes that event. It's almost like, you know, he handed him the prime the, the crop that he needed to use, but he just didn't know how to use them. You know what I mean? I, I feel like Mark Jackson, he deserves credit for developing, but I do think Steve Kerr deserves his, his his just due because he was able to use those guys as well as he did. I mean, he definitely deserves some credit. I don't want to make it seem like Steve, Steve Kerr don't deserve any credit, but the job is a lot easier. If, if, if me and you are doing something together, and you give me the final product and all I got, if, if we're building a car and you just build the shit and then I drive it, yeah, I'm going to drive that bitch very, very good because you already gave me the full completed car. But people, what people really want to see is if I can build my own car. That's yeah. the type of person I am. I love Steve Kerr, but can Steve Kerr go and develop his own shit? Can he do that? Because I know a lot of seen. coaches who could have took the Warriors after Mark Jackson and been successful. I know a lot of them. I know a lot mm. of them. I know a lot of them. Whether we want to to say what Steve, what Mark Jackson could have couldn't do with them, I don't think it's fair because we didn't get to see the change. We didn't see him with MVP Steph. Steph literally hit that switch the next season. Yeah. Literally hit the switch right after. And I don't think and that it, that's a coincidence because I think that that's a little bit of Steve Kerr knowing how to use Stephen Curry. But I will say Steve Kerr's greatest test is about to come up right now because I think what he's trying to do is 
emulate what he had the first season he was with the Warriors, except using Andrew Wiggins as Harrison Barnes. And I don't think that's going to work. I think he's going to have to come up with something completely new. And it remains to be seen whether or not he can, because I, again, he got like basically all the pieces to the car. He just had the instructions on. He just had to figure out how to use the damn thing. But if he, he has to construct the thing. But even now, that's a hell of a template. Yeah, that Steph is a hell Curry. of a template. I just don't think it's going to work because Draymond, to me, Andy seems like Lee. he's not the same dude that he was four years ago. Um, and Andrew Wiggins, I don't think he can play the Harrison Barnes role. Shit, that role ain't that role ain't shit, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Harrison Barnes, he he wasn't that great of a player, but Andrew Wiggins to me, he just it seems like they're two different players. I know people look at them as like wing scorers, but they have two different skill sets that that can be employed. So I'm not sure if it they works. Do, but I'll take in, I'll take Andrew Wiggins versus the uh, Harrison Barnes. Oh no doubt, back. no doubt. I mean that Harrison Barnes, he was he was a little bit of a disappointment. But, but the reason the reason I still say they they good is because they might get a top pick. So yeah. I mean, even then they have so many options that it's just like then they, then they might be able to start trading people around and, and moving pieces exactly. around. That 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 could get interesting. But that that all remains to be seen. Who knows whether the Knicks get a top pick, whether the Warriors get a top pick? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays. I just want to I just want to see if Steph if Steve Kerr could develop his own team. That's all. That, I mean that. Uh, he's not in a Same position right now where he's going to have to. And I feel like he's okay. going to retire with that group of people. So I'm not sure if we'll ever get the opportunity to see it. Is Tyron Lue a legendary coach? Hell no. <laughs> Hell, come on now. Hell no. <laughs> we, he we, won we, championship his first year, though. Yeah, that's Bron. That's Bron. We, we, I mean, we don't have to have that discussion. We know we know what uh, what's what around there. I just, you know, Steve Kerr, I, what, what he, I mean, this isn't me talking to Warriors fans. This is what they've told me is that when Steve Kerr came in, he implemented a different system that Mark Jackson wasn't using, and that's when we saw the Warriors really take off is because he knew he how to did. use Steph. But, he did, but I still think that it's a lot easier to do that when you already have. When you have the developed talent, and that's what Mark Jackson needs his credit for, no doubt. Um, Man, that was a long tangent, man. I want to talk to you about this Knicks team and this roster, specifically the people on the roster the young talent that you see sticking around for the long haul. Obviously, you got this draft pick coming down the pipeline, but you got players on the roster now. Who do you think on on that team, you know, deserves to stay around for the long haul? Mitchell Robinson. That's it? Pretty much. I mean, they're so young that I, I mean, for me to say R.J. Baird should be here for the next nine years would be foolish because he's so young. Maybe he could become that player the next year or two, but like right now, if they traded RJ Baird, I wouldn't fucking throw a fit if we got something back. Like you know what I mean? Like RJ Baird ain't done nothing yet to make mm. me say, "Oh, he can't have a right. John Morant Zion year." He had a solid rookie year, but like that doesn't mean I think he should stay the next fifty, like ten years. Yeah. Um, and neither does that mean that for Mitchell Robinson. But I, I like Mitchell. Rob- I'm trying to give you something. I like Mitchell Robinson. Um, I, I still like Frank Nilakina. I have some hope in, in Kevin Knox, but I don't think the Knicks roster has anybody where it's like if they get traded or anything like that, we throw in a fit, we're riding. I, I, we don't have that type of roster. Uh, we have some nice young guys mm-hmm. that we're, we have to hope uh, develop well, especially with a new coach like Thibodeau who's shown that he knows how to develop talent, um, that, that they take that next step. But, yeah, R.J. Barrett, uh, Frank Nilakina is cool. Um, I can name you guys that I like Julius. Guys like Julius Randle. He don't fit the um, timeline. Yeah, I want to see them. That guys like that get moved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like our young guys. But that's about it. Like Dennis Smith Jr. Wouldn't mind if he left. Wouldn't really care. Um, Alonzo Trier, I liked, but we let him go to the Nets for whatever mm-hmm. reason. That was about. Um, my mind is going blank. What do you Who think about Alfred like Payton? Yeah. Say that again, Alfred Payton. Yeah, so he's a guy that can go. I don't really, I have, I don't have no because Frank Nielakina. I would rather just see Frank Nielakina get more minutes. Right. I did like the idea that we did going into this year, though, when we had all the young guys and we brought in the Alfred Paytons, the Taj Gibsons, uh, Marcus Morris. Mm-hmm. I liked our team to start the start of this year. Uh, we just didn't know how to win games, but we played very, very well uh, to, against a lot of good teams, and we lost to the Celtics on a on a Jason Tatum. Uh, game winner shot we lost uh to the bulls uh once on like a very close game uh, kobe white went off yeah we lost we lost a lot of close games we beat the mavericks twice the the best offense in the nba we, we, we beat them twice 
So we had we had some moments. I just feel like we were young and didn't really have that guy. Marcus Morris is a good role player at best, but he's not the guy, and yeah. he was our guy. And he was y'all um, guy like that y'all traded the Clippers, man. I, I I still don't forgive y'all for that. That's that's just tough. For the for yeah, what? where did I want him to go? I I think I did want him to go to the Clippers. Why? I wanted him to stay. I wanted him to stay. But I like Marcus. I like Marcus Morris. I like Marcus Morris a lot. You, you know, I like that puts me in a real tough position as a Lakers fan, man. <laughs> yeah, I, say that again. That puts me in a real tough position as a Lakers fan. And the Lakers are good. The Lakers. If I'm the Lakers, I don't care who anybody get. As long as it ain't like, of course, Kevin Durant or no shit like that. But role players, Clippers, y'all can have whoever y'all want. Who else is a contender? Milwaukee, y'all can have whoever y'all want. I think the Lakers are legit, man. Man. They're my favorites to win it. I appreciate that. I appreciate the vote of confidence. It's just when when you talk about how many offensive weapons the Clippers have right now, Lou Will, Montrez, now you added Marcus Morris. Obviously, you had Kawhi and PG. Like, they just got weapons on weapons on weapons. We sitting up here with LeBron and AD. That's two dudes that are great, but, man, I just worry about the defense. I I, I wonder it's if we can keep up with it. It's only one basketball, man. It's only one basketball. It's only one basketball. That's for damn sure. Who, play, who, who making plays for the Clippers? Like, you talking about playmaking? Like, passing the ball around? Who's going to make the play? Because it's only one basketball. So, if, we, if they put out a lineup with Montrez at five, uh, Markeith at four, Paul, Kawhi, and then you put Pat Bev or Lou Will. Who's making a play for somebody? Kawhi's playmaking has gotten better, but I mean it's only one basketball. Yeah, and and that's where I've I, I've pointed out that the Clippers have a, a a hurdle to leap in a sense that that more people give them credit for because they do seem like they're going to have prime to have cohesion issues, right? Like even even the team that they're rolling out in Orlando. That team hasn't really played together like that. That the team's all uh, somebody's been injured, somebody's been load managing, somebody's been off the court. They haven't rolled out together as a full unit and gone one hundred and ten percent yet. So I do think that they have some figuring out to do before I'm going to peg them as the favorite. I still haven't picked my finals pick yet, man. I, I, I'm still I'm trying to see how things play out in the final um, eight or so games and see what everybody looks like before I pick the finals. But I, I do got to say, man, that that offensive skill set that the Clippers have, that shit is scary for me. That shit is scary for me as a Lakers. I like fan. the Lakers, man. I appreciate y'all got, that. Y'all got everything. Y'all got size, so where KD, uh, AD don't have to play the, the five. He's he's going to be the four with Javale. I think Dwight is an underrated big. When you talk about him having a magnified like role yeah. off the bench, because Dwight was still putting up all star numbers in the previous years, but now he's coming off the bench uh, as an energy guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith is exactly what you need off the bench. You got a veteran seasoned guy like Danny Green who literally plays off in the corner very well with LeBron James. Um, Quinn Cook is going to have some moments. Um, Hell, Caruso can slide in. I just feel like you have pieces. Well, I'm not trying to hype these guys. Quinn Cook ain't like (laughs) Lou Williams. Hey, man, I'll take it all. Hype us up. But, you know, when you put these dudes next to LeBron and they all have like specialized roles, think it's legit, man. I really do. And I'm forgetting somebody. KCP. You got guys like KCP. Yeah. You know, I think they're not, their names don't match against like a Lou Williams or whatever, but when you, it don't matter because you have the name that trumps them all, which is LeBron James. You give LeBron another co-star like Anthony Davis, who is a top five player himself, and then everybody else is specialists around those two. It's good to go. That's all, that's all LeBron James need is a co-star and specialist. Danny Green, D up, hit the corners for threes. JR, D up, hit the corner for threes. Dion, be a spark plug off the bench. So when LeBron and AD come out, it's your world. You do your thing. And then Kuzma, Kuzma's going to have, you know, a lot of people like to pick on Kuzma, but Kuzma got game. He's just trying to figure out his space and his role within that team. But Kuzma got game, for sure. Let's hope he figures that out quickly. I mean, I don't doubt it because we've seen flashes of it. The dude averaged, people forget, 19 damn near points last season. 19 points a game. The dude definitely has a game, but it's just the fit next to LeBron ain't been working yet. So I, today he actually looked real good. He hit like 4-4 four, four from 3 by the time I had to go record by other podcasts. When he does that, scary. But yeah, we he just, need all that, he's, yeah. He's, he's just, you know, he just got to figure out his lane because he's not like just Danny Green where you just throw him to the side. He has so much game that he got to figure it out. It's going to take some time, and when it does – he gonna have some 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 moments in the playoffs, but he uh he's like, oh, that's why they didn't trade him. Yeah. But tell me, we talked about the draft, and I know, I'm sure I I think I can guess what your answer is gonna be, but I want to ask the questions anyway. Who is the one guy in the draft that you want the Knicks to land? 
like I said at the top of the show, y'all, part two of this episode will be coming out later on this week. Make sure you stay tuned. Find out what Pierre has to say about which player he wants the Knicks to target in the upcoming draft. And so 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 much more like i said very long conversation very genuine conversation and very entertaining conversation i hope you guys tune in to part two i'll see you next time